Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. This is RTE Radio 1. Tonight's Drama on One concludes a week in which we reflected on the past and present relationships between the people of these islands. In tonight's play, Wogan's Sweet Sixteen by Kenneth Sweeney, Terry Wogan finds himself struggling to make his mark at the BBC. The IRA bombing campaign on mainland Britain has exacerbated anti-Irish feeling and called attention to Terry's presentation style. Will the BBC bosses allow Terry to be himself on air and play the Irish records he believes will bring Ireland and England together? Starring Al McKenna as Terry Wogan, this is Wogan's Sweet Sixteen by Kenneth Sweeney, which won second prize in the 2020 PJ O'Connor Awards. It's smooth sailing with the highly successful sound of wonderful Hey there, it's me, Terry Wogan. I woke you up for many years on the radio. Damn the torpedoes, I used to say, as we crashed into the eight o'clock pips. So here goes one more time. BBC Radio 2 morning host Terry Wogan has been knighted by the Queen. A regular feature on British radio and television for the past four decades, Mr Wogan said he was greatly honoured by the title. People often ask, what do the Queen say? Ah, Lugan, you're that blasted man off the radio. How do you keep up that incessant babbling? No, not him. That's Prince Philip. People ask, what did the Queen say? I'll tell you later what Her Majesty said. But first, I'll tell you what a man in Wales said to me a few years ago. He said he wanted to thank me for what I did for the Irish over here when the IRA were setting off bombs. He said that just by me having an Irish accent on the BBC reminded everybody that the majority of Irish people didn't support the IRA. Well, I'd be quite proud if that was the case. I wasn't always a famous broadcaster, you know. We need to go back in time to when the name Terry Wogan meant nothing in Britain. Three police officers and three members of the public were killed yesterday when the IRA detonated a bomb in a side street near Harrods department store on one of the busiest shopping days of the year. Now imagine coming on BBC Radio 2 with an Irish accent after that. Wake up to Wogan on Radio 2 Good morning, listeners. 
It's Terry Wogan here to start your day. Well, that's what I did for years. And I never tried to disguise my Irishness because I felt what the IRA were doing had nothing to do with me or other Irish people who spent their lives living and working in the UK. Now some lovely music from the Emerald Isle to bring our two countries together. The Fury Brothers with Davy Arthur when you were sweet 16. And the man who plays banjo with his teeth. When first I saw the love light in your eyes I thought the world held not but joy for me And even though we've drifted far It was after that show, I got the first memo. Dear Mr Wogan, we feel that in the current climate of an IRA bombing campaign on the mainland of Britain... Your airing of the record When You Were Sweet 16 by the Irish group The Fury Brothers is inappropriate and could offend some listeners. We ask that you refrain from playing this or other Irish records until further notice. This, we hope, will be a temporary measure. Yours, John Brand, Controller, BBC Radio 2. I wasn't going to stand for that. Dear Controller, Thank you for your communication. The Fury Brothers are not supporters of the IRA, so they don't deserve to have their records banned. If we overreact to these madmen by banning Irish records, the terrorists will have won. Yours, Terry Wogan. And you know what I did the next morning? I played Sweet Sixteen again. I never dreamed but what I dreamed I love you As I've never loved before Since first I saw you On the village green Come to me In my dreams of love alone I love you as I loved you when you are sweet When you are sweet Sixteen And that was the Fury Brothers with Davy Arthur. Sure that fellow will have no teeth left after playing that banjo. I came off here that day to find my boss, Mark White, in a bit of a sweat. We need to talk and I'd rather not do it in here. So the chat happened over breakfast in a nearby greasy spoon. That cheapskate left me to order. Two Irish. <laughs> I mean, two English breakfast, please. There wasn't as much as hello from the girl behind the counter. But that's London for you. For Mark, <laughs> he had plenty to say. and started before I'd even cut up my egg. Listen, Terry, you need to know how it works over here. How it works? Lay off the Furies. For two reasons. One, they're not exactly cool. Some of the DJs are laughing at you for playing this sort of stuff. Uh, two, the management don't want you playing them. I thought DJs on Radio 2 were allowed to pick their own records, to complement their personalities. 
You know, the bosses were a bit sensitive about playing Irish records with bombs going off. Now, you won't see any signs on the wall saying, don't play Irish records, but some things you, you don't have to be told. But you can't just ban records because they're Irish. Management decides. Well, they should be pulled up on that and asked to explain. I'll be seeing Dominic Trott, the crazy Scotsman from the third floor later. I wouldn't dare bring it up, but he might, given you've played an Irish record this morning. He likes seeing subordinates squirm. was once the most respected broadcaster in the world. But hiring in all these new DJs playing pop music, what you're seeing is the gradual erosion of a great institution. Another Swifty, Mr Trot. You seem to think buying me drinks is going to bring a bit of congeniality to our relationship. It won't. You might notice I never, ever laugh at your jokes. But I'll have a drink if you're offering. I'm okay with that. I'd rather be judged on the talent I bring in. Speaking of which, do you plan on sticking with Terry Wogan? Of course. The BBC has to change. We need a new type of DJ, and Wogan is just right. There has been a little bit of resistance, but we're getting there. (laughs) Only a little resistance. Have you read the Daily Express today? With the IRA killing and maiming people on the mainland, isn't it time we looked at their fellow countrymen who are over here making a handsome living in the entertainment business? The likes of Dave Allen, Eamon Andrews, Val Dunigan, Danny LaRue. Now we have one more Irishman abroad. Terry Wogan on BBC Radio, who insists on playing records from his home country every morning as Irish bombs are going off on Oxford Street. To some, this could be read as a demonstration of support for the terrorists. Okay, I'll have a word. Tell him to lay off of this Irish playlist, or he'll be out. And so will you. The Home Secretary, Roy Jenkins, today introduced the Prevention of Terrorism Act, which restricts the movement from Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland into the UK. This comes after a series of bomb attacks in Birmingham and Guildford, which claim the lives of 21 people. And now on BBC Radio 2, Wake Up to Wogan. Wake Up to Wogan on Radio 2. Morning, listeners. It's Terry here. Christmas is coming. So here's a bit of tomfoolery from Ireland for the festive season. Frank Kelly and his Christmas countdown. Day one. Dear Nola, thank you very much for your lovely present of a partridge in a pear tree. We're getting the hang of feeding the partridge now, although it was difficult at first to win its confidence. It bit the mother rather badly in the hand. But they're good friends now, and we're keeping the pear tree indoors in a bucket. Thank you again. Yours affectionately, Governor O'Lonacy. Oh, good old Governor. 
I can attend May I add, we were to hear dear, dear friend of BBC management. present of two turtle doves. You really are too kind. At first, the partridge was very jealous and suspicious of the doves. Ah, Mark, had to wait till after the show. No, it's important. You didn't tell me you were going to play that. What? Goblet of Lunacy. But it cheered everyone up. I was speaking to Dominic Trot yesterday. I told you he wouldn't be happy with your playing Irish records right now, and he wasn't. Now you've dragged all the bosses upstairs into it by saying Goblet of Lunacy is a friend of BBC management. Why did you say that? Ad-libbing, Mark. That's why I came to the BBC for the ad-libbing. And that was true. Did you know my broadcasting career started in a post office? When I began my career in RTE, their studios were in the GPO in Dublin, the General Post Office, where some fella started a revolution 50 years before. It was a different sort of radio then. RTE didn't trust broadcasters to talk on air. Everything was scripted. You wrote your script and then submitted it to the head of radio for approval. <laughs> Only then could you read it out on air. There was no ad-libbing. God, it was so dull. And now the cattle market report. Fat ewes better by three to six pounds per head. Fat hoggets better by one to two pounds per head. Two heifers sold at 50 guineas. Good trade for all classes. Well, it didn't take me long to get bored. And soon, I was setting fire to the scripts. Antichuk Jack Lynch clashed with opposition leader Liam Cosgrave in the Doyle today. The angry exchange happened when Mr Cosgrave accused the government of failing, and failing miserably, to deal with the housing crisis. While colleagues were reading them out. The Taoiseach accused the opposition of pure cheek, as he said, the government had inherited the problem from the previous administration. Pouring water down their backs. <coughs> oh yes, and while they read the shipping forecast. Forecast for Irish coastal waters from Fairhead to Hothead to Consor Point. And all because I knew I'd never get anywhere in radio unless I could be myself. Luckily for me, Something was happening out on the high seas that was changing everything. It was called pirate radio. See, all these DJs out on those pirate ships, they didn't read from scripts. These chaps said whatever the hell came into their heads, and the listeners loved it. BBC realized they had to do the same. And that's when I started writing to them, looking for a job. I tried TV first, I'm good it did me. I got a nice type letter back. Dear Mr. Wogan, I'm afraid that at the moment we do not currently have any vacancies for someone with your particular talents and experience. Thank you. David Attenborough. Well, that didn't stop me. Whatever happened to David Attenborough, anyway? A year later, I sent another letter to the BBC to show off my talents, included a recording of me and RTE. The only problem was, I hadn't rewound the sprule. So the first the BBC got to hear of Terry Wogan, I was talking backwards. It should have been tossed in the bin. But the man who got my reel, Mark White, he thought, well, 
What kind of a lunatic sends an audition tape to the BBC back to front? He took the time to rewind it, which rather sums up the BBC to me. Mark was impressed that I didn't have one of those fake American accents that all the DJs on Radio Caroline used. He went to see his boss to try and get me hired. What's for tea, darling? Wednesday. What's for tea, Mark? Thursday. Darling, I said, what's for tea? I'm not sure. This could be a bad time politically to hire an Irish DJ. We all are trouble in Ulster. Terry Wogan is from the South. A staff announcer at RTE. So, a safe pair of hands. And he's got a better vocabulary than most of the pirate presenters. The BBC needs loosening up, and Terry Wogan is the kind of presenter to help us do it. Britain is full of bloody DJs, and you want to import one from Ireland? That's why he's good. His Irish accent. It's classless. He doesn't sound upper class or lower class. Nobody would know what school he went to. OK, then. But I want to hear Terry Wogan on air. Soon after, I got a call from the BBC, inviting me to try out as a disc jockey. I set off for London knowing my whole career depended on this audition. Hello, it's Terry Wogan here. Be afraid, be very afraid, because Lou Christie says he's going to make you his. He's full of himself, isn't he? Exactly. He doesn't sound as eager to please as the other DJs. All these BBC buttons were new to me. There was a danger I pressed the wrong one. And I did. Let's see what he does now. Stay cool, Terry, I thought. Oh, well, now just let me try that record on the other deck. Now, this silence might sound like a calamity, like you're listening to dead air. But you're not, because what you're hearing, listeners as I tried to rectify the situation, is that it's live radio. Live radio. Isn't it exciting? Now Luke Christie again, still keen to make you his. He can handle himself under pressure, all right. Let's try him in afternoons in Radio 1. A six-week contract. I wouldn't commit to any more than that. And if he doesn't work out, well, he's out, and it won't look good for you either. You sure you want to risk it and hire him? Yes, I do. The BBC gave me the afternoon slot on Radio 1. And then I was offered the flagship morning show on Radio 2. I had such big hopes. But all I ended up doing was introducing traffic updates and news bulletins with no chance to be myself. So I got bored and, and started making things up. That was your news... It's now ten past eight, and a beautiful morning here at the BBC, where upstairs, on the roof of Broadcasting House, the Director-General is emerging from his cottage in a leotard for his morning dance with the BBC virgins. <laughs> Let's hope it keeps him calm for the day, and he doesn't throw any DJs off the roof. Oh dear. Another thing I did to make my mark 
was banter with the old codger who came on air after me, former 50s hearthtrop singer Jimmy Young. Next on will be Jimbo, the back of whose neck I have an unparalleled view of right now. Thankfully, he's had a good wash. That's enough of that, Wogan. I have a bone to pick with you. I switched on the radio earlier, and I heard you being very derogatory towards me and my listeners, claiming we were as old as the shadows. I know. I should have more respect for the old and informed. Old and wrinkled I might be, but at least I'm not overweight. Oh, well, at least my listeners' teeth are their own. <laughs> You've got listeners? Oh, yes, Jimbo, and they're always smiling. Jousting with Jumbo gave me a chance to go off track and be myself. But I found out from my boss, Mark, at the end of my first month, my listeners were doing anything but smiling. It's not working, Terry. What's not working? You seem to be rubbing the listeners up the wrong way. How do you know? We're getting letters in from people who hate you, who say you're too talkative for the mornings. Maybe you need to tone it down, hmm? Talk less, play more music. Listeners hate change. I'm just being myself. They'll get used to me. And we've had a memo from the BBC Secretariat asking if you could be a bit more respectful to the Director General. All this stuff about him dancing with the BBC virgins on the roof of Broadcasting House. We're getting letters from listeners asking if we could recommend hotels which overlook the BBC so they can watch his dance too. <laughs> I want more letters. Not sycophantic ones saying, Terry, you're great. Ones that are off the wall. I can read them out on air. You don't seem to understand. This isn't good for you, Terry. Your contract is up soon. You could be gone from the BBC. So some of the listeners didn't like me. I had a bit of fun with that the next morning. Wake up to Wogan on Radio 2. Oh, here he comes. Old Jimbo, trundling into the studio on his portable commode. I have a letter here, and it says, My husband absolutely despises you. And it's addressed to me, Terry Wogan. Can you believe that, Jimbo? Somebody doesn't like me. I believe that. Do you want to hear the rest of it? No, because I wrote it. Well, I was going to give you a massive build-up this morning, ah. but alas, we're out of time. You swine. As the year drew to a close, I still had no idea if the BBC were going to keep me. So I thought I'd provoke them into telling me by playing Frank Kelly's Christmas Countdown again. Day one. Dear Nola, thank you very much for your lovely present of a partridge in a pear tree. It worked. Airing Governor to lunacy got me summoned to a meeting with the controller of BBC Radio 2, John Brown. Mr Wogan, I want to explain to you from the outset. We have not banned Irish records at the BBC. Really? The BBC does not ban records. Banned is an inaccurate description as there is no ban. Absolutely no ban. What we want you to do instead is to consider whether the records you're playing near news bulletins are appropriate. There are fine judgments to be made, and you don't appear to be making them. There is nothing inappropriate about these records, other than they are Irish. I mean, this is a knee-jerk reaction. Has this sort of censorship ever happened before? Well, we didn't play many German records during the war. Exactly. But Britain is not at war with Ireland. 
so there are no grounds for a ban. Can I ask, have there been any complaints about me playing Irish records? No. Then why are we having this discussion? Because you're not doing what we want you to do. And all this stuff you've been telling listeners about the DG. Have you ever been up to the roof of Broadcasting House? There are no sheep or cows grazing up there. It is a flat roof, Mr Wogan. A flat roof. The Director General does not live up there, and neither has he ever thrown a disc jockey from the top of Broadcasting House. Oh, he knows I'm joking. This on-air stuff, these Irish records, your letters from Gobnato Lunacy, it has to stop. Remember, this is the BBC and we are in charge. We will tell you what you can and can't play, Mr Wogan. So the next morning, yes, you've guessed it. I played Frank Kelly again. Gobnato Lunacy had got even more presents. It was all getting out of hand. But when I went to pick up my box of records the next morning, I found Frank Kelly's Christmas countdown was missing. An unseen hand had removed the disc. Luckily, the same trusty record plugger who had first brought Frank's record to my attention rang to tip me off. They did it to stop you playing it. Well, the cheek of them. I won't let them win. I have to play it today, so... Can you send another copy around? It left by courier. Ten minutes ago. Good man. So I still managed to get the Christmas countdown on the show. This must have come as a shock to my BBC bosses as they heard Gubnett's return to the airways, driving to work that morning. At this stage, Gubnett or Lunacy was on the 11th day of Christmas and as mad as a box of frogs. Day 11. You have scandalised my mother, your dirty Jezebel. It was bad enough to have eight maids of milk and dancing to punk music on the front lawn, but they've now been joined by your friends, the 11 Lords a-leapin'. And the antics and the whole lot of them would leave the most decadent days of the Roman Empire looking like outlook. I'll get you yet, you old bag. This is unbelievable. Did you hear him playing it again this morning? It's been explained to him over and over. Has he set up his own radio station here? Does he work for someone else? Wogan's a hard person to gauge. This is your fault. You should have dealt with him much harder from the start. I've tried. Make it clear to him. Tell him the absolute bloody limit has been reached. I thought I'd brought enough chaos to the BBC until later that week, someone sent a bomb to Broadcasting House with my name on it. Package read, The Attention of Terry Wogan, Broadcasting House. I was on holidays at the time, so whoever sent it, <laughs> they couldn't have been classed as a regular Wogan listener. Security was high in Birmingham today for a march against Republican violence after two pub bombs in the city killed 21 people and injured 182 others. You better take care. You better watch out if you got long black hair. Why are you on this? March. We've had enough. These bloody Irish need to go home. That's when it turned into open season on the Irish and Britain. 
there were attacks on Irish bars and community centres. Pubs wouldn't cash Irish cheques. Shops wouldn't sell Irish newspapers. They cancelled all St. Patrick's Day parades. The newspaper columnists even suggested banning Irish people from sporting events. So I came on the radio and talked of the shared friendship between our two countries. Four household cavalrymen died in Hyde Park yesterday when they were blown up by an IRA bomb while on their way to a changing of the guard ceremony. In a second attack, seven bandsmen from the Royal Green Jackets died when terrorists detonated a device under the bandstand in Regent's Park during a lunchtime concert. Mark? Is that you, Terry? I'm not going on radio this morning. I can't be Terry today. What's wrong? Are you ill? No, no. It's, it's just what happened. The IRA attack. The young man that died. I heard one of the cavalrymen had to use a policeman's pistol to put three of the horses out of their misery. I, I can't go on the BBC and, and be upbeat this morning. But no one blames you. It doesn't matter. I can't be Terry today. Okay. I'll get a stand-in from continuity. I wanted to go somewhere else that morning. Somewhere I knew no one would talk to me. So I went back to the greasy spoon with the indifferent staff. The coffee, please. You're Terry Wogan off the radio. I recognise your voice. Well, that's the first time you've spoken to me since I started coming in here. Well, you're about the only person I'll speak to today. I haven't been saying much lately. I've been trying to talk as little as possible. I, I didn't want anyone to hear my Irish accent. Well, what's it to them? It's the bombs. You know how every Irish person in Britain feels the day after an IRA bomb goes off. You don't want anyone hearing your voice in case they say something like, oh, you bloody Irish are at it again. So, so when I heard about the IRA blowing up those poor cavalrymen, I was thinking of going sick and not coming in, but... I've never missed a day, and I'm not going to start now. That's the spirit. And you're usually on the radio now. Yeah, I couldn't face going on air, being Terry Wogan today, trying to be cheerful and Irish. Well, you should be on the radio this morning. Today, most of all, after the IRA attacks. You have to be on the radio, Terry, for every Irish person in Britain. You can't act any different. As I drank my coffee, I realised that girl was right. I needed to be on the radio that morning. So I rang the BBC and said I'd be in for the second half of my show. So I went back on air, sounding upbeat and cheerful and Irish, and I played Frank Kelly's record again. Day one. Knowing my back was against Dear the wall, I asked you. listeners for support. I've been asked to refrain from playing that record by management. So if any listeners out there are fans of Governor Lunacy, please write in and let me know. It worked. The next day, I got a pile of posts. And just one. Just one letter changed everything. What in the name of insanity is going on? Wogan has played that Irish record again. Maybe he's a bit shaken by the IRA attack. I don't 
cares what he thinks about the bombs? Tell him Frank Kelly's Christmas countdown is now banned in the BBC. Banned! Do you hear? This is it for Terry Wogan. He's going to find out he's pushed the BBC too far. When I got the final memo about the Frank Kelly record, I asked for a meeting with the controller of BBC Radio 2. All the time knowing I had something special up my sleeve. God bless old Gubnett. Mr Wogan, I really hoped we wouldn't have to take such a serious decision as banning a particular record. But you have brought this all on yourself. Let's get this straight. I've been previously told there was no ban on playing Irish records. It is simply not appropriate to be playing Irish comedy records at this time. I played Frank Kelly's record to bring our two countries together. To show we share a common bond of humour. You are forgetting about the public mood. The public mood? Do you know that 20% of the population of the United Kingdom has an Irish parent or grandparent? That's one in five. People are being killed, Mr Wogan. Irish people have been victims of these IRI bombs too. The Riley family in Birmingham, they lost two sons in the bombing. That's not what's being discussed. Well, it should be. Do you know it was the Irish nurses in the NHS that tended to the injured when the victims were brought to hospital in Birmingham? Mr Wogan. It's simply too much for our listeners to have an Irish presenter playing Irish comedy records on BBC Radio while an IRA bombing campaign is going on. I've had support from listeners. Your listeners don't matter, Mr Wogan. One listener does matter. No, they don't. As I told you at the previous meeting, this is the BBC and we are in charge. We tell you what you can and can't play, Mr Wogan. Oh, I don't know about that. Can I read out this listener's letter? If you insist... Mr. Wogan, I'm writing to say how much I enjoy your wonderful radio show. And I am much amused by Frank Kelly's humorous record, The Christmas Countdown. I hope you will continue to play it on your programme. Signed, Her Royal Highness, the Queen, Buckingham Palace. I watched the blood drain from his face as I showed him this communication on Buckingham Palace letterhead. That was the last I heard of the band. I kept playing Frank Kelly's Christmas Countdown. And you know what? Governor Lunacy ended up on top of the pops. So did Sweet Sixteen with your man who plays the banjo with his teeth. And me? Well... I thought my whole career was over at the BBC, when at the end of the month, I got summoned to a meeting on the top floor. The man at the meeting turned out to be Jimmy Gilbert, head of light entertainment. What the hell did he want with me? Hello, Terry. Uh, Mr Gilbert, firstly, I'd like to apologise for all my tomfoolery on air talking about the DG. Oh, not a bit, Terry. I'm sure the DG didn't mind at all. Oh, he's got far more important things to worry about. It's just me being me. I like you being you, Terry. You're unique. Have you have you ever considered doing a quiz? A quiz on TV? We've just bought this new format from America. It's called Blankety Blank. Blankety? Blank. It'll be perfect for you. We could put the funniest comedians and personalities on a panel with you, and you, you'd just be yourself. 
And that was the start for me. Terry Wogan. Beginning of Terry Wogan becoming a household name in Britain. And the Irish, you know, later on, it became fashionable in Britain to be Irish. River dance, Lord of the Dance. And those girls, of course, who looked like a bag of spanners. Frank Kelly, whose Christmas countdown I played so many times on the BBC. Drink, take, house, girls! <laughs> and Frank Kelly became a big star playing Father Jack and Channel 4's Father Ted. Hairy Japanese bastards! <laughs> Things improved between Ireland and Britain following the Good Friday Agreement. At a St. Patrick's Day parade in Birmingham in 1996, the first in 22 years. So I'm on BBC Two now, telling Terry Wogan how I made it and what I made is unclear. And the DJs and Radio Two thought I wasn't cool. Well, I've had the last laugh. The hippest band on the planet. Franz Ferdinand name-checked me in one of their biggest hits, The Dark of the Matter. They sang, I'm on BBC Two, now telling Terry Wogan how I made it. Well, Terry made it too, and became cool. You know, the most popular item on local radio back in Ireland are the death notices. Marriages and births come a poor second to death. News which has broken in the last few moments. It's been announced that Sir Terry Wogan has died after a short but brave The death has been announced of broadcaster Sir Terry Wogan after a short and brave battle with cancer. Taoiseach and Kenny led tributes. It is with great sadness I learned this morning of the passing of legendary broadcaster Terry Wogan. When first I saw the love light in your eyes I thought the world held not but joy for me. I've always said that for a communicator like me, radio is the supreme medium. That connection you make with the listener is truly personal. How else could millions of people who never met Terry Wogan grieve for me? Seemed touched by my passing. Most of all in my adopted home, where I become such a part of the British establishment. They held my funeral at Westminster Abbey, a Western house where I broadcast my radio show from. BBC renamed it Wogan House. I love you as I love you. When you are sweet, when you are sweet, 
before I sign off, apply myself to the grouting. I promise to tell you what the Queen said to me. Her Majesty said she was an avid listener to my radio show. So I asked, what's your favourite bit, Mom, of my show? And the Queen said, I like those little rows you have with Jimmy Young. I find them most amusing. Most amusing. Well, who'd have thought it? Me and Jimbo's jousting, best part of my show. Well, she must be right. Then the Queen said, And how long have you worked at the BBC, Mr. Wogan? The BBC? I said, Mum, I've never worked at the BBC. It never felt like work. I was just being myself. We've been listening to Wogan's Sweet Sixteen by Kenneth Sweeney, which won second prize in the 2020 PJ O'Connor Awards. Al McKenna starred as Terry Wogan. Michael James Ford played the BBC announcer and Chris McCallum was John Brand. Robert O'Mahony played Mark White. Little John Nee was Dominic Trott and Jimmy Young was played by Jonathan Ryan. Aveen McCann played Imelda Kenny and Jimmy Gilbert was played by Joe Taylor. Other parts were played by members of the company. Special thanks to Finbar Fury and the family of the late Frank Kelly. On sound was Gar Duffy. Wogan's Sweet Sixteen by Kenneth Sweeney was produced by Kevin Reynolds.